The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Thank you everybody for joining us today for One Hour at a Time. This is Eileen Fiore sitting in for Mary Woods. And today I have um, two gentlemen who are both uh, currently working in the field of providing treatment for co-occurring disorders. Um, And co-occurring disorders meaning um, uh, folks who have mental health and substance use disorders. Um, They're uh, going to talk with us today and enlighten us on how folks meet the challenges of bridging the gap between being in a treatment setting for co-occurring disorders and being able to utilize the resources of 12-step recovery in the community. So I have James Gamash, who is um, uh, a uh, quality assurance director for Westbridge, and also Gordon Woods, who is um, one of the care managers also working for Westbridge. Thank you both very much for being with us today. So this is a pretty broad topic. Um, So I'm wondering, Jim, if I could sort of tap into your experience in really taking a look at exactly what are we talking about when we're talking about bridging the gap between 12-step recovery and co-occurring disorders treatment. Sure. So, you know, the... We've heard time and time again um, in the treatment world that um, particularly in a presentation that I attended a few years back where individuals who struggle with severe and persistent mental illness and substance abuse issues cannot acclimate to the 12-step community. They found it ineffective. And when I asked more about why is it that it's not effective, they shared, you know, typically we would refer the individuals to 12-step community and they would do it on their own. So, you know, from the perspective of, of the, um, the training that I went to, it was like, well, that's what the research says. But in my experience, it's been much different, that if we're supporting individuals and getting connected and providing education around 12-step um, communities prior to supporting individuals and attending meetings and supporting them through that meeting process that we can actually bridge that gap and support individuals and making connections to a community resource that is extremely beneficial to the individuals that we work with who struggle with co-occurring disorders. Okay. So, um, Jim, maybe um, you could help identify some of the reasons why folks were operating under the belief that um, the individuals that we're speaking of would essentially not um, benefit from this particular resources. Are we talking myths and stigma? 
Yes, we're definitely talking myths and stigma. And, you know, a couple of those myths are, you know, substance use disorders are caused by a lack of willpower or moral failure or that talking about spirituality, which is a component of the 12-step community, makes people even more symptomatic. Um, and I've even heard that it's the family's fault, that it's not, you know, um, that they're the reason for the individual's struggle and not necessarily the individual and the disease itself. Okay. So... Um is part of this that it, uh, the illnesses are not framed as just that illnesses Correct. by the broader com- treatment community. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So um, that's a fair amount of myth. Um, and the, I guess, are there other myths that just also are around folks who have a co-occurring disorder to begin with. Um, is there, are there just treatment myths that follow? Yes. Misconceptions, yes. whatever. Yes, there is. And, and, you know, we see this a lot in, um, you know, in, in particularly in the substance abuse field, you know, I, individuals may identify that sobriety must come first before they basically open up Pandora's box and address the issue of mental illness? Or, you know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? You know, the primary versus secondary. I've heard that a lot. Um, and if you don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. You know, there's, a, there's a definitely a, um, a challenge that, that clinicians who are working in the mental health field really are challenged by Addressing issues that relate to substance abuse, either because they're not, they weren't educated or they weren't qualified, but as a result, they don't even assess for it. So there's definitely um, multiple misconceptions around that. Mm. Um, what about um, any specific misconceptions about the 12-step organization in and of itself? I mean, you hear a lot of um, uh, you hear a lot of small things like um, you can't take medication if you attend certain kinds of um, community resource meetings. Yeah. Um, is that could you speak to that a little bit? Sure. Yes, that's a big one, Eileen. You know, uh, medication uh, again. Treatment providers really don't understand the 12-step community in that uh, medications, many individuals who are attending 12-step meetings take medications, Um, that it's a religious or a cult of some sort because a lot of meetings actually happen to meet um, in a church, you know, because that's the only facility that they can get that's at a reasonable cost to have a meeting. Um, Some even uh, attribute attendance as only temporary that it doesn't need to be over the course of, you know, years or a lifetime, that it's, you know, a couple of months and then the individual's cured. Or even the need for abstinence before attending meetings. Um, you know, in the 12-step community, particularly AA, it says the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. So there's really no, um, nothing in the 12 traditions that say you have to be sober in order to attend the meeting. I see. 
So, um, Gordon, I'm going to tap in a little bit with your experience. Um, sure. And kind of wondering what, um, if any, barriers that you might see for, actually, for, for the individuals themselves. I mean, treatment providers have one mindset. What about the actual individual that we hope is going to be helped by this experience? Sure, yeah. And thanks for having us, Eileen. And uh, Jim and I were very excited to uh, present this last week. Um, but before I do talk about the participant barrier, you know, I think the the main one for treatment providers is they, um, there's this kind of like um, emphasis on you just have to go to AA, and they're just brought there. And I think that we were we did talk to uh, an educated, informed audience, but they basically missed the just the simplicity of of getting back to basics around well, just having the conversation well. Why do you need to go? And like anyone else, like it can be uh, anxiety-provoking um, to go to a, a strange place uh, to ask to do these things in your life to, to bring around change. So for anybody, it can be anxiety-provoking, but particularly for the co-occurring population, um, I think the barrier can be, you know, AA is, uh, a lot of the meetings are in church basements, uh, small rooms, uh, the social anxiety piece is the big part, and um, there's a big emphasis on the newcomer. So you're going to have people coming up to a new face uh, in the room. Um, so you're, there's going to be uh, a lot of things that will, you know, maybe spike um, your anxiety in just going to it. Um, so the, the barrier for a participant is, you know, what what it is, and and if they're just you know, the treatment providers that were up there, they were just asking their participants to go and not really providing the education before to kind of just outline, well, this is what the meeting's about and this is what's going to happen and this is what, you know, this is the format, so to speak. Mm. So, um, so preparation, it sounds like preparation is absolutely critical to the success of pretty much any endeavor, but certainly in being able to provide a person who might benefit from um, a uh, community resource such as this with um, an understanding of its framework and its purpose. Exactly. Um, preparation and also just the simple things of like, well, how to transportation and getting to the, the meetings. Um, you know, working as a care manager on the ACT team, you know, we were conveying at this presentation you know, how we provide those services in order to prepare the participant um, going prior to a meeting. So there's a lot of education that you can do rather than just going, okay, um, you got an alcohol or substance use um, um, problem, you go, go to a meeting. Uh, you can sit down, you can go through some of the literature, uh, the traditions, the steps, uh, the A big book. There's a lot of stuff that you can do prior to going to a meeting uh, and set the, set the format, set the stage for it, because, you know, that it's pivotal. Um, those first meetings and first exposure to the AA community, it really is p- pivotal. You can, you know, leave uh, an impression, you know, uh, on somebody if you, don't do, if you don't prepare them in the right way. So having that very uh, that initial um, positive experience uh, opens the door, but also open discussion that says it's okay to talk about what you're experiencing in this room. Um, 
is side-by-side attendance? How, how would a treatment provider manage that? So, yeah, I mean, we would um, definitely check out our meetings in the area. Um, Jim, you can speak to probably, I think you did the math about how many meetings are in New Hampshire alone on a weekly basis. Um, but there's a wealth of meetings that you can go to. But, but staff, side-by-side support would, would happen. We'd even probably check the meeting out uh, on our own prior to taking a participant there um, just to see, you know, um, how the meeting is run, you know, if it, because AA, you know, there are no rules, there are no, um, the only requirement for a membership is a desire to stop drinking. So you can, you know, the, the meetings can vary uh, as to the kind of crowd that you're going to get. Um, so, yeah, prior to that, there would, you know, a staff member will go and check it out. And then a side-by-side support and going to the meeting. And, you know, we have a mentor program, which is an extension of our care management team. So we've, you know, 30-something mentors that would um, go out in the evening uh, at, and take a participant to a meeting. And some of them are, are familiar with 12-step recovery and just provides that, um, support in order to process the meeting. If the participant needed to step out um, of the meeting, take a break, they have somebody there in order to, you know, talk it out with. And then also they have the opportunity afterwards to really um, speak about how what they got from the meeting. Um, you know, what they got, whatever the format was, whether it be a reading from the literature or was someone sp- speaking on their experience, strength, and hope. You have that. Yeah opportunity to to speak to them afterwards and and see what they got from it. Well, fabulous. I think we're going to take a very quick break, and maybe when we come come back, we can sort of look at more specifically how we're going to connect these two seemingly very different approaches to care. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. It's time to experience radical well-being. Learn to nourish your heart, body, and mind. Manifest your power in the present and learn to live your life's infinite potential. It's time to experience Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio with host Rochelle McLaughlin. Each week, you'll learn about essential skills and knowledge to help you discover and create your own experience of health and well-being and learn to be empowered to take bold and loving action toward manifesting the life you long for. Tune in every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific and 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America's Health and Wellness Channel. Every day, you hear so much about different aspects of the health and wellness field. One day, you hear one thing, and the next day, you hear something that contradicts what you heard the day before. How do you know what's right? Try tuning in to The Cutting Edge of Health and Wellness today with Dr. Neil Nathan. 
Our goal is to educate and explore this field with guest experts in order to help you take control of your health and well-being. Listen Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Thank you very much for um, listening today. This is Eileen Fiore sitting in for Mary Woods. And today I have Jim Gamash and Gordon Woods who are coming to us from Westbridge, which is an organization that treats folks with co-occurring disorders. And we're talking about how we can bridge the gap between treatment and utilizing community resources such as 12-step recovery. So um, perhaps, Jim, uh, you might uh, be able to enlighten our listeners a little bit on um, just some of the elements of treatment and the treatment approaches and how that then um, either compares or contrasts or connects with 12-step recovery. Yeah, sure. Um, And... You know, one of the things, you know, the traditional treatment models, you know, from an addiction treatment uh, program would utilize like a peer counsel model versus like a mental health treatment perspective would utilize like medical or professional model. And, you know, also uh, from an addiction treatment, spiritual recovery is something that is embraced in the addiction treatment world. But in the mental health treatment world, scientific treatment is is embraced. So just those two examples, you can see the parallels that they uh, are on opposite spectrums um, in terms of treatment, uh, traditional treatment models. The other treatment approaches that are traditional is you have either sequential or parallel treatment. And sequential is you know, where you're, somebody is receiving treatment for a substance abuse um, disorder in one location, and then they have to go to a totally separate location to receive um, treatment for um, the, um, for the um, mental health issue versus, um, I'm sorry, that's, that's parallel, I'm sorry, um, um, and then the, the parallel process is one where the individual, um, they're, they're, it's not integrated whatsoever. So as a result, the individual kind of gets lost in the cracks. And, um, and I apologize, the sequential treatment is more around the individual getting treatment for one, and then once one is stabilized in that area, then they would receive treatment for the other. But we know from co-occurring disorder treatment, um, and the work that we've done over the years that if one is left untreated, it triggers the other. So even though they're doing a lot of work around substance use um, in, in getting better in that area or mental health and they're getting better in that area, the untreated illness triggers the other. And then they end, they end up either relapsing or um, struggling with um, symptoms of either mental illness or substance abuse. 
so um, what you you're um, describing is sort of the old model then, where um, addiction treatment centers um, treat one element and uh, mental health resources mm-hmm. treat the other without necessarily there being a dialogue um, so that uh, what you're suggesting would be that by treating both at the same time Correct. that there may be a, a, a greater outcome? Yes, uh, absolutely. Um, and, and so really bringing 12-step recovery into that dynamic has its own set of challenges, I imagine. Yes, it does. It does. So what, um, what does work? Um, either of you, what, what does work in this rather complex um, scenario that um, we know that the community resource of uh, a fellowship such as AA complements and works with more formal treatment, and how do you pull all of that together? Do uh, well, I'll have a go with that one? I mean, um, well, it's kind of very broad, um, so I'll try and answer it as best I can, Eileen. Um, mm-hmm. But on on an assertive community treatment team. Um, you know, as Jim pointed out, a lot of stuff is parallel. So you have someone going down the street for mental health, but they're going to see somebody else for uh, addiction, and it's all it's all kind of scattered out. Whereas we would treat uh, all of it here at one place. Um, there would be transparency throughout um, all the conversations that a participant would be having with their doctor, with their psychiatrist, uh, with their counselor, uh, and all members of the team. So there's no there's no silos created. Um, everyone uh, is pretty much everything is getting treated um, uh, at one time. Um, so you know you have uh, family involved, um, which you know is, has proven to be a higher success rate for our participants once the family are are educated and also part of their son's treatment. So there's a um, uh, a, a, mi- a mix of things there that on a daily basis we would be um, applying, but um, specific to, you know, bridging the gap between the 12-step work, I mean, again, it, it just goes back to preparation and education. Um, it's talking about Al-Anon with the families, talking about um, AA with the participant, and what's worked is, is, is preparing them and also, um, you know, having the support of our mentors in getting them to the meetings um, the role of a mentor is, is, is that of, you know, peer support. Um, they would, you know, be knowledge in the 12th step. They would attend the meeting with them. Um, they would uh, talk about it afterwards. They would also um, support. We would, as a t- care management team, would support, um, which is a huge part of it too, um, obtaining a sponsor within the 12th step community. So we would look for... Uh, we would sit down a participant and say, ask, you know, what characteristics are you looking for in somebody um, that you think that you could have a good relationship? Because going through that 12-step process with somebody, you know, is a vulnerable place uh, to be. And we also, you know, would provide, um, you know, uh, to, to meet with that sponsor. We'd invite them to our treatment program for dinner, you know, so we could, um, 
show them what we do here, and then we can get a um, they they have an opportunity to to uh, talk about how their recovery is and how they acclimated to the twelve step community. So mm-hmm. really, it's a relationship, communication, preparation um, that really heighten the success rate for a participant. Yeah, and I think also too. Eileen, to add to that is um, really integrating co-occurring disorder treatment. So both treatments are provided at the same time, which was researched and studied out of Dartmouth from the Psychiatric Research Center, um, such as assertive community treatment model, um, which I'm sure Gordon will can talk about, but those are the elements. So there's a lot of moving parts here. There mm-hmm. is absolutely no question. There's a whole lot of moving parts. So let me just sort of take a second and, and throw a, a wrench into this. And um, it, So w- what do you do when somebody just doesn't want to do it? Yeah, How do you, you get meet the, people yeah, to go? You meet them where they're at. I mean, you're going to... Um, that's not uncommon. Um, no one is doing cartwheels into the 12-step program, you know, wanting to be there. So there's always that motivational um, interview and that you're trying to, you know, build on the ambivalence uh, where the participant is at. I mean, we don't, you know, there's, um, you know, relapse is is not a a requirement, but it is part of the journey. You know, I know a lot of treatment um, places may, you know, once you use uh, alcohol or drugs within the treatment center, you're out. Um, you know, we don't do that. We try to educate as much as we can and meet the person where they're at. You know, and they, you know, we work with the stages of change uh, model. You know, if they're pre-contemplative, contemplative, or if they're in action or preparation. Um, you know, so CBT, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, DBT, dialectal behavioral therapy. You know, we have all these tools and skills um, to to work uh, w- with that participant and where they're at in their treatment. Um, so, yeah, we can be met with ambivalence, but, you know, you build on that. Um, you know, so they're here for a reason, and you just, you know, the big, uh, one of the things that I love about being on the ACT team is that sometimes, you know, when you're in these, you know, in these settings of counseling or peer support, and it's one-on-one, and it's in a room or in a group setting, you may not get much from a person that may close up, but we actually have a lot of great, you know, activities out in the community where they can see a care manager in a different light. I can see them, their character in a totally different light. You know, uh, we have um, a soccer team, which was, for myself personally, was a huge kind of uh, um, uh, bridge, <laughs> um, no pun intended, but in building a relationship uh, of, you know, seeing where somebody was uh, in their treatment, you know, and there were so many parallels to the AA program that I could use, um, you know, like um, if somebody messed up on the soccer field, you know, and, you know, messing up can sometimes be part of the recovery process, you know, and I found myself saying, hey, it's not how you you mess up. It's how you recover. And, you know, like little pearls of wisdom along the way that would just have these opportunities to have these conversations where it's not just in a, you know, in a, in a, in a room talking about recovery because that can get annoying after a while. You know, if you're in treatment for a long period of time and it's everyone trying to fit you uh, the square into the round hole, so to speak, you know, if you take him out of that and if you have relationships out in the community and you use other methods uh, besides, um, you know, 
the models of CBT or um, DBT. You know, there's you got those great opportunities to to really um, uh, engage people. So there certainly is no one-size-fits-all approach to any of this, if I'm understanding um, what you folks are presenting to us today. Um, and there, there are multiple, it seems as though there are multiple roles here um, that create a, um, a, a kind of support that um, is pretty unique within, I would say, both the addiction world as well as the world of mental health treatment. So um, how do you help providers get to the point where they begin to see the value in this? Wow, that's a a really good question, Eileen. And, um, you know, I, I think... From my perspective, you know, the proof is in the pudding. And, and if you see the changes um, in individuals' lives and they're, you know, they're, they're progressing um, in their recovery and their wellness um, based on the model of um, the Dartmouth um, Psychiatric Research Center published many years ago, you, you kind of see that you, you have to be there to see it, you know. Um, and... You know, we see it all the time where guys are, you know, moving forward, they're successful, they're, um, you know, they're celebrating their recovery, they're moving forward and getting active in the community, they're getting jobs, they're going back to school. So we see the change and it's, and it's there. Um, and, you know, based on the evidence-based models, I mean, the, the, the data is there to say that it's, it's successful. Well, we'll take a brief um, pause right now and come back to our conversation with Jim and Gordon. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms and you're on the cusp of a new journey, breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuso to bust through the myths about feeding your baby. Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you find yourself caring for people in multiple generations? Are you exhausted, stressed, and overwhelmed? 
Instead of spending hours searching for resources and information, Dr. Merrill and her guests will provide you with practical, everyday information and solutions to help make your life easier. Tune into Caught Between Generations, Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Well, thank you all for listening today. This is Eileen Fiore sitting in for Mary Woods with um, uh, two guests today, uh, Gordon Woods and Jim Gamash, both of whom are very familiar with um, uh, blending the strengths of treatment with the 12-step programs that are available to folks who have co-occurring mental health and substance use disorders. So um, earlier, Gordon, you had talked um, about uh, an ACT team, which is assertive community treatment. Can you tell me what makes that um, uh, unique as opposed to an outpatient clinic, say? Yeah, um, so, you know, typically in a community um, mental health setting, um, I, I'm a, a care manager, so there's a big emphasis on language uh, here uh, at Westbridge also, um, our culture um, are always trying to bust stigma. Um, so I wouldn't be a case manager as you, most, m- most people would be referred to in, in community mental health. It just kind of has a, a, a derogatory kind of feel to it, you know, case, being head case, you know, me- and being in the mental health field. So it's care manager, and it's much more uh, caring, and that's what you're providing. So um, I'm, I want to point that out before I say, so I'm a care manager on a team and I would have possibly, you know, six uh, to seven participants that I would be a point person for. And that means they would come to me for, you know, any of their needs, whether it be, you know, appointments um, that needs to be set up, appointment with doctor, uh, getting to, um, you know, time managing anything out in the community, getting to school or work or volunteering, whatever they might be acclimating to. Um, so, there's that point. And, you know, in the community health setting, you know, you could have a, a, a point person might have up to 30. So you have a shared caseload. So um, I, I would not, uh, it wouldn't just, I wouldn't solely provide the treatment to them. So they would uh, work with anybody on the team. So they could see uh, uh, someone for individual counseling for um, symptom management. They could have meet someone individually for uh, substance um, uh, abuse counseling. So it's not it's it's all shared. But I had there is specific um, um, services provide, provided that I would do. You know, but it is a shared caseload. Where um, we're in vivo, uh, which means where there's a need, twenty four seven, we're there. Um, our you know our motto at, at Westbridge is flexible, mobile, and responsive. So um, there's twenty four seven. Uh, so typically, the ACT team would work from 8 to 4, 5, um, 6 in the evening. Um, and then they, the mentor team, which I 
shared earlier would uh, come in and be an extension of the care management team and provide the care later on in the evening from 6 to 10 and then sometimes to midnight. Um, so, um, yeah, so there's, yeah, during that time, um, you know, at the end of the day, um, winding down or whatever groups are on uh, during the day here at the offices, individual set counseling, um, the mentors would come in in the evening and then provide support out in the community, whether it be side-by-side support, going to an AA meeting, um, preparing a meal in their home, uh, laundry, uh, ADLs, which we refer to as act- activities of daily living, um, you know, cl- side-by-side cleaning, um, wellness. We have a big emphasis on wellness exercise, and, and sometimes those mentors would be um, proficient in um, sleep coaching, so the participant would identify um, a, um, what would help them um, in winding down later on in the evening. Um, you know, the nighttime can be uh, a time where they'll be more prone to have a spike in symptoms, um, which we talked about earlier, which is some of the barriers in getting to meetings in the evening time. Um, so the, the mentor would provide that care to um, provide good sleep hygiene, you know, make sure that there's no, like, late-night snacking, you know, um, turning the TV off, just um, winding down, so to speak. Um, um, so those are just some of the things um, uh, throughout the day that are provided. Um, uh, there's on-call uh, in the evening time, so there's, um, I would be in on-call uh, during the week or on a weekend. I would be backed up by a medical on-call and an administrative on-call, so there's always there's always twenty four seven support provided. So um, based on what you've just described, Gordon, it really is um, sort of taking some of what I understand to be the steps in AA, or at least some of the suggestions about living kind of a balanced life and um, applying recovery in a number of different arenas um, within the home as well as in work um, in addition to receiving treatment or going to meetings. And um, so the message of recovery is uh, a big part of what the ACT team is providing for folks. Is that fair to say? That's fair to say, yeah, absolutely. Practicing the principles in all your affairs. Um, you know, a sober mind, you know, your, your, your role here as a care manager is to, you know, extend hope uh, that, you know, there is a life to live as sober uh, one day at a time um, and that you can have fun and that you can get back to your life, that you can bridge relationships again and that it's possible. So, yeah, I mean, throughout the day, there's all those little opportunities uh, to extend that hope. Um, but it starts with the small things, you know, especially your living environment, you know, um, as within, so without. So, you know, we would, we would go to um, um, outreaches in the morning time, um, provide medications in participants' homes, um, check in, and then you can see, you know, where they might need support, um, if things are going well, if things are not going well. Um, but there's all of that opportunity. There's all of that engagement throughout the day um, for you to, to extend that. So, yeah, I would agree. That's, that's wonderful. And, um, and none of which would be a contradiction to anything that's suggested by a sponsor in um, a fellowship such as Alcoholics Anonymous that um, being um, 
giving your best, doing your best, and um, uh, living a healthy life is partly what um, folks in the fellowship would want people to do the way that I understand it from what you folks are saying. So um, in, in all of this, um, how, how do you help folks with co-occurring disorders differentiate between what's therapy, what's self-help, and how do you help people kind of bring that all together? Um, either one of you could jump in on that. Um, sure. You know, the um, in the AA community, um, you know, AA is not therapy and um, therapy is not AA. And, you know, what's interesting is that um, in many of the, the interventions and the work that we do is somewhat parallels to the AA community and, um, and comparing AA treatment to, um, to the work that we do, you know, in Chapter 7 in the uh, Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it says, you know, don't start out as an evangelist or a reformer. You know, and from a treatment perspective, it would be start with the person's perception. You know, do they think they have a problem or don't they think they have a problem? You know, in AA, they say find out all you can about the individual. You know, for in the treatment world, do a thorough assessment. And in the AA community, they say never force yourself upon the individual. And from a treatment perspective, it would be respect and empathy. So... Um, it's really, in, in many ways, the two um, support each other, but under no circumstances, AA therapy. I mean, AA can support uh, a process of recovery for an individual, but it doesn't replace therapy. Um, therapy is, is provided to the individual to really kind of help them understand some of those underlying causes and help them address those issues through that relationship that the um, care manager and the individual have um, and really kind of work on those underlying causes while AA is really there to support the individual and abstaining or, um, you know, avoiding consuming alcohol or other substances. So a thorough understanding of both treatment and the elements of self-help um, would, I guess, be a pretty big factor in um, any staff member at any level working with folks with this complex set of sure. conditions. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And, so, you know, and, and I'm sorry. Go ahead, Eileen. No, no. Go right ahead, please. Um, you know, the, the other thing that, we, that we've learned is that no matter what stage of change the individual is in, whether they're pre-contemplative or contemplative or preparation or in action, the 12-step, um, utilizing 12-step support um, can be accessed at any stage of change. You know, if somebody's saying, you know, I don't have a problem with alcohol, I don't have a problem with drugs, you know, my problem is just my mental illness and I need uh, treatment for my mental illness. From our perspective, we'd say, okay, that's fine. Um, but let's talk a little bit about if somewhere down the road that you do have a problem with alcohol or substances, 
wouldn't you want resources that you could utilize that would support your recovery and wellness? And providing doing that, as Gordon shared earlier, that that um, homework up front, where you're really kind of using this as a as an educational experience versus just go to the meeting and get sober, really is mm-hmm. effective because they see it from a different perspective. Um, Very interesting. And then and then processing that afterwards, what that was right. like for them. So maybe we could get back to a little bit of that after we take a very brief pause. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that'll help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Thank you very much for joining us this afternoon. We've had a... Um, a wealth of information from our guest today. Um, this is Eileen Fiore sitting in for Mary Woods, and I've been talking today with Gordon Woods and Jim Gamash from an organization called Westbridge that um, treats folks that have um, co-occurring disorders of mental illness and substance use disorder, um, and really how to blend the... Um, 
the treatment component with the recovery component of, say, a 12-step process. So thank you both. This is, you provided us with an enormous amount of information. Um, and so I'm wondering if we could sort of take a look um, in this final segment of the show of what all these community resources are um, so that people have a, a more specific frame of reference. It's not just Alcoholics Anonymous. Am I correct in that understanding? That's correct. That's correct, Eileen. And, you know, there are uh, a plethora of mutual help um, groups in the community, such as, you know, peer uh, recovery support centers, um, different types of recovery groups, family and friends, faith-based support groups, and 12-step support groups. So I help our listeners maybe understand a little bit about the differences amongst all of these different, say, for example, I um, have um, heard of something called smart recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you could help us contrast that with um, perhaps uh, would Alcoholics Anonymous be appropriate? Sure, yes. As a contrast? Uh, yes. Um, so the um, SMART recovery is really a, a cognitive behavioral approach to the 12 steps of recovery, and they um, remove the spiritual component of the, um, the, the 12 steps. So basically, you know, it's, it's very time-limited. It's based on the individual's needs. So they could go for six meetings. They could go for 30 meetings. But it's really kind of time-limited, and it's a cognitive behavioral approach to the 12 steps of recovery versus Alcoholics Anonymous incorporates the fellowship um, and in developing relationships and seeing this more of a spiritual um, as well as incorporating the 12 steps of recovery. Um, so they, they definitely are a different spin for each of those. Um, mm-hmm. There are other you know, types of faith-based groups, for instance, where um, a popular one here in New Hampshire is called Celebrate Recovery, where it takes a very Christian, biblical perspective on the 12 steps and integrates the uh, biblical teachings to um, the 12 steps of recovery um, versus something like um, Dual Diagnosis Anonymous where they incorporate the 12 steps of recovery but also an additional five um, that really address the issues of co-occurring disorders like mental illness um, and talking about you know mental illness, talking about medications. So it's a more a broader perspective around co-occurring disorders. Okay. Um, thank you. And uh, there's um, a, a um, an additional um, sort of faith-based or spiritual that also incorporate a mindfulness, maybe Buddhist perspective. Could you sort of weave that in to um, our conversation today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I spoke of uh, some of the barriers that participants have, um, you know, at the beginning of the, the show, but, you know, also a big barrier is that God concept um, that is in 12-step recovery. Um, a lot of our participants have 
um, really felt a uh, connection to uh, Dharma Punks. Um, I forget the creator's name of it right now, but it is a Buddhist approach uh, and has a huge emphasis on mindfulness and meditation that our participants here have have connected with and find value in, definitely. Um, so there is truly no one-size-fits-all. That is very clear from um, what you folks have presented today. Um, so what about this is, um, in terms of recovery, where does the, the advocacy for mental health come into the picture? Um, dual diagnosis recovery. Um, are there any other resources that folks could look to? Sure. There's, um, um, there's organizations such as NAMI. Um, that provide that, um, you know, that, that peer support um, and uh, family support to individuals that are struggling with mental illness. Um, and the, um, there are, like I said, a plethora of other types of meetings um, that are, um, you know, Double Trouble in Recovery, Dual Diagnosis Anonymous, Dual Recovery Anonymous. Um, so there, there's all kinds of different meetings. And, you know, the best way to search for resources in your areas, um, as Gordon has shared um, at, our, at the conference that we presented at, there's an app that you can get, in, and um, it's free, or sometimes you might have to pay a dollar, but you can search for whatever type of 12-step support or even uh, community support for individuals that are struggling with co-occurring disorders um, in, in the area that um, the, the treatment is being provided. Mm-hmm. So, um, which also brings to kind of this uh, newer generation, um, what are the are there internet resources as well for folks in terms of being able to connect? Um, you mentioned apps. Um, yeah. Are any of these things yeah, found absolutely. online? Yeah, sure. And but before I actually uh, touch on that, I want, want to go back to you know DDA. Um, oh, great. Westbridge has an alumni program, and. Um, you know, Theo and Courtney have been very active in heading that and starting up a dual diagnosis meeting in the Manchester area here in, Man- in New Hampshire. So, um, you know, I think that you're going to see more and more of this, and AA is going to, um, you know, will have to embrace it a lot more, I believe. Um, I think that, you know, education is key. I know that some sponsorships are, um, you know, are up to par with some of this, but, you know, uh, you're seeing more and more of this. Um, so it's great that those guys at the alumni program have started this up, and it's, it's in the area. Um, but the other Wonderful. apps um, are, you know, you know electronics. Uh, it's a big part of the community now, but I know that Sober Grid has, is one that has taken off. Um, and I'll preface it with this, you know, because a lot of people with these apps these days think this is a way of meeting up uh, romantically, and it's not that at all. It's really to extend that hope. Um, and, you know, late at night, you know, up here in Manchester, you know, you're not going to get a meeting out after 9 o'clock. 
Um, but this is app where a lot of people in the AA, NA community connect on it uh, and extend their experience, strength, and hope on it. Um, I found it to be very good, and the, the people that actually run it as well are very good about filtering out um, anything that shouldn't be there. Um, another great one is Sober Places. Um, you'll probably play a buck or two for it, uh, but that just means it's a good app. Uh, so they keep Great. it updated. And you can find an AA meeting, an NA meeting, an Al-Anon meeting uh, between 5 miles, 2 miles, to 50 to 100 miles from where you are. Oh, that's such great information. I, I want to thank both of you. Um, there's certainly far more that we didn't cover than we could cover. Um, and I really appreciate your time um, and your uh, shared experience in presenting this to our listeners today. Thank you for listening and thank you for attending, Gordon and Jim. We appreciate you joining us today for One Hour at a Time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week.